Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we conclude our series on cryptid creatures with Michael Hoggard, and Greg Patton will be living in today's world. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know we have Jonathan Kahn's new book and DVD set, The Return of the Gods, in stock and ready to ship. The DVD is only available in a few select locations, and Watchmen on the Wall is one of the few places you can order the 8-DVD set. So don't be left out. Order the Return of the Gods book and DVD set by Jonathan Kahn when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Yesterday, we began looking at the world of cryptid creatures. What are they? And are these creatures found in the Bible? Let's rejoin Pastor Michael Hoggard as he continues to reveal the mystery of the cryptid creatures. There are creatures that lurk out there in the dark, that haunt the isolated forests of the world, that hide in the icy depths of the deepest lakes. They appear unexpectedly, then vanish just as mysteriously, usually leaving witnesses dumbfounded, frightened, and unfortunately in most cases without a shred of evidence. Yet the eyewitness stories of these creatures continue. Are creatures such as Bigfoot, Yeti, the Loch Ness Monster, and Mothman real? Are the people who claim to have seen these creatures telling the truth? And what, if anything, do these creatures have to do with the end times? My guest today is here again to answer those questions and much more. He's Pastor Michael Hoggard, the senior pastor of Bethel Church in Festus, Missouri. And he's one of my all-time favorite guests on the program. Today, we're going to talk about his DVD titled Cryptid Creatures. Pastor Mike, welcome back to the program. Good to be back with you once again. Many people have claimed to have seen aquatic or semi-aquatic creatures such as the Loch Ness Monster and Champ, the creature from Lake Champlain. Would you elaborate on those creatures, and do you think those creatures could be some type of aquatic dinosaur? Yeah, I do. The stories that we've heard of, like Champ, the Lake Champlain Monster, the Loch Ness Monster, the description that people give of those... And there's been photographs, there has been videos, of course there's been a few hoaxes as well, but there has been some very, very interesting video that has come out. Years ago, if you happened to get a picture of something like this, it wasn't a common thing because not everybody carried a camera around. Today, people are carrying cameras everywhere, and they're catching things on camera that people said never existed. And some of these lake monsters and some of these what we would call sea monsters, sea creatures, we're starting to get videos of them. And the first thing I believe is that, yes, it's possible that they are remnants of creatures like the plesiosaur. And what you have is a long body. It's got sort of a large body in the middle, but it has a very long serpent-like neck that extends out of the water. It has these huge flippers, which have been photographed in Loch Ness itself. There's been several excursions by scientists, and one picture in particular claims to be that of a flipper, one of the front flippers of a plesiosaur. 
The same thing with the Lake Champlain monster. There seems to be a similarity between that and the Loch Ness monster. So my assumption would be that of a plesiosaur. There is a piece of aboriginal art where it looks like they captured one of these things, drug it ashore. You have all these men figures standing around it, and it looks like they ripped the thing open and found actually the body of somebody that they say that it ate because there's this dead body laying inside of it. And this is, like I say, Aboriginal art. So there is the aspect that some of this could very well be the remnants of dinosaurs because we don't believe the Earth is, you know, one billion years old. We don't believe the universe is 13 and a half billion years old. We believe what the Bible teaches us, that the beginning started somewhere around the neighborhood of 6,000 years ago. So it's entirely possible that some of these creatures could have actually existed. You have Mkele Mbembe, which is a creature that the pygmies of Africa have been seeing over the years, and it turns out to be something that looks like a small version of a brontosaurus. And so I do believe it's possible that these things existed. But then we have the biblical account of a creature called the Leviathan. And Job goes into a very detailed description of what a Leviathan is. Number one, it's a sea monster. Number two, it has scales that are so tight, the Bible says they're airtight. Number three, it literally breathes fire out of its nostrils. The Bible says that you can actually see where the Leviathan is going through the water because the bubbles are coming up, the Bible says, like hoarfrost. Now, we know that there is a physical Leviathan on the earth, and I also believe that the Leviathan represents a spirit creature referred to as Leviathan. If we think of, in Revelation 13, the beast that rises up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, I believe that that is a spiritual being, a spiritual beast, as it were. Satan himself, described as a dragon with seven heads. Now, the term dragon was used to describe dinosaurs before the word dinosaur ever came into existence. It was used to describe reptiles and different things like that. And so I absolutely believe that dragons existed on Earth in the form of dinosaurs of old, but I also believe that these creatures had a spiritual counterpart, that they were spiritual beasts, just like the dragon of Revelation 13, Revelation 12, just like the beast rising up out of the sea. And I think in some cases, it could very well be a reference in Job chapter 40 of something that is beyond a physical creature, a spiritual creature as well. And I believe that it's these creatures that Paul said we're wrestling against. These are beasts. These are very, very evil devils that we are wrestling against. And I think they mean business. I think they're very dangerous.
You mentioned Bigfoot earlier, and perhaps the best known of all cryptids is Bigfoot. I'm sure that most people listening today have seen the famous Bigfoot film shot by Roger Patterson. Tell us about Bigfoot, and in particular, the one in the Patterson film. Roger Patterson, him and Bob Gimlin, there were two men. They were going on horseback at Bluff Creek, California. They were attempting to capture a Bigfoot on film. They got to Bluff Creek. The horses reacted first because the horses saw the thing before Gimlin and Patterson did. And as soon as the horses started reacting, Roger Patterson got his camera, hit the record button, and he started recording this creature, estimated somewhere between seven and eight feet tall, as it's walking away from them. And then, of course, the arms are swinging. Then, of course, we get that famous look where this Patty, they call her, sort of looked back at the camera to see if, you know, who it was following them, you know, if they were still following her or whatever. They call her Patty because when the film is enhanced and when they stop the shakiness of the film, they use computers to do that, you can clearly see female breasts, they're very hairy, but their breasts on the front of this creature. This is a female that's walking. And several things about this, where if somebody says, well, this is me in a costume, they hired me to walk around in this costume. Number one, anybody who works in Hollywood, in fact, they've consulted several people who make body coverings for people who are acting in movies, who act like gorillas and things like that, They said, number one, the technology for the suit was not available in the 1960s. Number two, if it were available the way we have things available now, you're talking millions of dollars because all of these hairs have to be put in place one by one. Number three, I mentioned Jeff Meldrum yesterday. He was one of the first guys, I think he did this for Discovery Channel. He examined the skeletal frame of Patty as she is walking away from these guys. And he noticed that, number one, the arms are abnormally longer than what a human's arms are. And what he did was he measured the distance from the shoulder to the elbow and the elbow to the hands. And even a human in a suit, you've only got elbows in one spot. And he said these elbows and these arms were not human arms in a suit. He did the same thing with the neck. He did the same thing with the back. He did the same thing with the legs, from the upper groin area to the knees, from the knees to the ankles. And he measured and did the ratios, and he said there is absolutely no chance whatsoever that this is a human in a suit. And so I think he's done enough evidence, he's been working on it since then, to prove that there's no way that this was an animal in a suit. So I believe that the film taken by Roger Pattinson was 100% genuine. Now that leads us to what I believe is the next question. What is it? I have a theory that the more I study it, the more comfortable I am with it. There's two specific places in the King James Bible, Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34 that mentions a wilderness area, like Babylon is going to be turned into a wilderness. And in a wilderness, 
Nobody lives there. No human lives there. At any place you have a wilderness, you have a lot of animals because God put a fear of man and animals. And if man's gone, then all these animals show up. And God specifically described in both of those places the word satyr. Some people pronounce it satyr or satire or whatever, but it's S-A-T-Y-R. The Hebrew word used there is saw-ear. And what that word simply means is hairy. Now, that word in the King James, or in the original Hebrew, is translated in the King James oftentimes as goat or the kid of a goat. However, it's referenced twice in the King James as a devil, specifically a devil, which is an evil spirit. And the other two times, it just simply gives us the word satyr. Now, the Greek-Roman version of a satyr is that it's half human, like from the waist up it's human, and from the waist down it's got the body of some kind of beast, sometimes it's a horse, sometimes it's a goat. However, in other places in the world where they describe or they speak of a satyr, in a lot of descriptions of what they called satyrs, there was the perfect mixture of a human. In other words, we have a lot of people now in this country because of mixed marriages that are biracial. And a biracial person is not white from the waist up and black from the waist down. They are the perfect combination of white and black in the same body. And that's what I believe you have with a satyr. You have the combination of a humanoid appearance. In other words, it walks on two legs, it walks upright as its normal walk. It doesn't walk on all fours ever. It walks upright, it has the facial features of a man, it has the look of a man, but it has the size of a giant, it has the hair of some form of beast. And when you look at the personage of Esau in the Bible. That's my image that I get, is that he was so completely covered with hair that when Jacob went in to pretend he was Esau, he put goat skin all over him and goat fur all over him. And that's what fooled their father Isaac that he was Esau was because he was literally covered with fur. It also mentions that the satyr in Isaiah 34 shall cry to his fellow. And there are several recordings, especially on the Internet, where people have recorded two or more of these creatures calling to one another by this very high-pitched yell, this high-pitched scream. Just like the Bible describes, they're crying to his fellow. In Australia, they're called Yowies because of this same cry. So are they physical beasts? It's possible. Are they what the Bible says? Are they devils? Are they spirit beings? That is highly possible. There is a famous ranch now, because it's been on the History Channel, a book has been written called The Skinwalker Ranch. Robert Bigelow bought the ranch. He owned it for 20 years. He put scientific equipment everywhere, put cameras everywhere, put all kinds of measuring devices everywhere, because all of this paranormal activity was going on. A group of scientists was sitting up late one night. They were putting all their gear away. They were done for the night. About 4 o'clock in the morning, these scientists said, 
that an orange portal opened up. And they're standing there watching this thing, and all of a sudden, this bipedal, seven, eight feet tall creature comes crawling out of this, like a tube, stands up on two feet, walks off into the night, and they don't see it anymore, and then the portal disappears. The next morning when they go down, they can see the tracks. It looks like Bigfoot tracks, and they trace it to a certain point, and then the tracks just stop and they disappear. And this is in the book, The Skinwalker Ranch. And so is it possible that these creatures are both physical and spiritual? And I believe that they are both. Pastor Mike, I really, really appreciate your ministry, and I hope you'll come back for another visit very soon. Thank you much. The complete two-day presentation from Michael Hoggard on cryptid creatures is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Are these mystery monsters real? What about dragons and flying serpents, Bigfoot and Mothman? Are these creatures mentioned in the Bible? Join Pastor Michael Hoggard as he explores these secrets in the brand new DVD entitled Cryptid Creatures. Order Cryptid Creatures today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. This look into the unknown is for you. Call 1-800-652-1144 and order Cryptid Creatures. Author and teacher Greg Patton will be one of the featured speakers at our final conference of 2022. It's the second annual Las Vegas Prophecy Conference, November 19th and 20th at Sunrise Bible Church. Speakers include Pastor Billy Crone, Pastor Tom Hughes, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Hus, and our very own Greg Patton. Make plans now to join us at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas, November 19th and 20th. Registration is open. Visit swrc.com and click on Events or call 1-800-652-1144. Now, here is Greg Patton with another look at living in today's world. So I wonder in the life of my ministry how many times I have said this, trouble ain't trouble till it hits me, and you know what I mean. Let's say today you find out that someone you love has been in a really bad car crash or diagnosed with cancer with 30 days to live or any number of scenarios. The cry might go out, no, God, please don't call him or her home. Please don't do that. That could be a desperate cry today, ringing throughout your home, wherever you might live. It's been heard by people daily for centuries. After a frantic morning of sketchy news reports, unhelpful phone calls to American Airlines, and some unanswered questions, Cheryl just received the devastating news. Her husband, Tom, co-pilot of that now-famous Flight 11 plane, was one of the first victims of the September 11th tragedy as his flight crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. It's been a few years, but it's still very much in the mind of all Americans. It was just a cool September morning there in New Hampshire. This woman said she sat on her back deck, she recalls, grabbing my Bible, a quilt, a hot coffee, 
excited that I was about to have a half hour before I had to start doing my typical mom stuff for the day. Then the annoying ring of the phone broke the morning's peacefulness and marked the beginning of a really nightmare journey for me. That first phone began a barrage of calls and visitors and news reports that seemed only to bring about more questions than it did answers. All of the television news reports were unclear. Friends came over. Women were praying with me. I was on the phone with the airline, but they weren't telling me anything at this point. It wasn't until the chief pilot came over to my house in person that I knew something. That's when I heard what had really happened. Cheryl's most overwhelming memory of that day, though, was having to go to her children's school to tell them that their father was forever gone. I went to tell my children, just knowing in my heart that I couldn't even think of how I'm going to tell them this. Seeing her son walk into the principal's office, she held him closely and uttered the only words that came to mind. Tommy, Jesus has called Daddy home. The teens later assured her that she had delivered the news in the most comforting way possible. Cheryl recalls a bright spot in the healing process with her daughter. Jennifer was driving to school one day, and she said to me, Mom, I'm so glad that you're not angry at God. I know God didn't cause this to happen. God is getting me through this, and he is my strength, said Cheryl. Likewise, her son offered comfort and solace at this grieving time with a grieving mother. One night I was crying, and Tommy put his arm around my shoulders, gave me a big hug, and said, Mom, everything's going to be all right. Our life on this earth is so short. Our life in heaven with Daddy is for eternity. Wow, that could put a lump in your throat. The past year been a time of radical transition for this family. Cheryl's chief responsibility in ministry explains is taking care of the kids. My days are really filled. I'm really busy with things that are serving the Lord, even if that means simply making dinner for my family and being home at night to listen and help with their homework. To me, that's serving the Lord. It doesn't have to be anything bigger than that in life. However, holding her family together is not Cheryl's only ministry. Months after the terror attack, she was asked to speak at her home congregation, Bethany Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She delivered a message that she calls the Trust God Message. The focus of that presentation was the need to trust God for every breath you take, she explains, which was the only way for her to begin this long, long process of healing. After that service, she was approached by a church member who asked her to speak at a business convention she was organizing. Startled by the request, she replied, I I don't want to speak. I don't know how to speak. And I'm so broken. Why would anyone want to come and hear a broken-hearted person speak? After praying for some guidance, she agreed and was stunned by the response of many people who came to hear her story of broken hearts and God's healing touch. And since then, this woman has shared the Trust God message with many different churches around America, civic groups, charities, organizations, sometimes reaching crowds of thousands. Her growing passion, however, is to minister to women, touched by the massive outpouring of love and prayer and wise counsel from the women in her own church, Cheryl now works toward giving back by being a source of biblical strength and encouragement to hurting and broken women. How has Cheryl changed? It feels like I've learned to trust God and depend on Him for everything I've had to, every part of my journey, which led me to a new message on forgiveness and my legacy. How can this victim of unimaginable evil speak about forgiveness? 
It's a recent attitude shift that came from a most unlikely source, and that being her late husband, Tom. I actually found a book that was one of Tom's Bible studies with his thoughts and notes and favorite scriptures underlined. The scriptures that he had underlined were passages for forgiveness and how to forgive. And this began a very difficult journey for Cheryl as she started to explore how and why she might one day forgive those men who took her husband from her. I guess going forward for me, the challenge is to work toward forgiving the people who have done this. To her, forgiveness is essential in the final healing process of her shattered heart. If I dwell on the bad things that the hijackers have done, it will only make me angry, and the angry will turn to resentment. And my resentment will then turn to bitterness. I want my heart to be healed completely, and to have that happen, I have to forgive. Cheryl seeks this restoration not only for herself, but for her kids, knowing that she can teach forgiveness to her kids only by modeling it. Now, that's a good message. Cheryl became aware of her own behavior. This is yet another lesson that Tom taught me about the family since his death. Going through his things, she found a note that Tom had written to himself in a Bible study guide. In his own handwriting, this echoed from the grave, I want to be more like Jesus because my son wants to be like me. Sharing this message with their son, Tommy, Cheryl has begun to realize the full impact of this awesome responsibility. I know this note left a huge impression on Tommy's heart, and I know that he will pass that on to his children and my grandchildren. And I thought, what do I want to be remembered for? What is my legacy? Do I want to be remembered as an angry, bitter, resentful person? Her answer is a resounding no. Besides, God can't use me if I'm that way. I want to be sure that I remain pure and that my purpose is in line with God's plan for me in life. Remembering God's promise for hope and a future in Jeremiah 29, 11, Cheryl concludes, What that September day has taught me is I really don't need to know his future plans for me. She said that when she considered her new ministry years ago, speaking to large crowds, she admits, I can honestly hear God say, If you only know the plans that I have for you. But if I knew, I'd be saying, God, don't tell me that. I can't do that. However, as long as he keeps giving me opportunities, I'll keep doing it, and I'm just thankful for what I'm able to do. Every Christian listening to this program today can be just like Cheryl. It doesn't have to be a tragedy, but you need to do all you can do for the Lord Jesus Christ today. Now, don't back off. Don't backslide in that responsibility. People, you know them, family member and friends today need Jesus Christ as Savior, and they also need the hope that is in you. And you're supposed to give an answer to every man that asketh the hope that's within. You have it, my friend. Do your job today. Pastor Michael Hoggard explores the mystery of strange beings in the new DVD, Cryptid Creatures. What are these strange animals? And are they mentioned in the Bible? Find out in the DVD, Cryptid Creatures. Order today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order anytime online, swrc.com. 
ask how you can receive free shipping on your order when you call 1-800-652-1144. And if you missed any of Watchmen on the Wall this week, be sure to download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Thank you for spending time with us each day. Join us Monday as we once again bring clarity to the chaos and remind everyone that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.